0: I'm San Francisco Chronicle columnist Heather Knight, and you're listening to 5th In Mission. City Hall recently dedicated nearly $2 million to save Chinatown's beloved restaurants and banquet halls, but it won't come close to rescuing all the institutions in trouble. One that's likely to close is the Far East Cafe, which would leave Chinatown with just one banquet hall. Journalist Melissa Hung visited the neighborhood several times to find out how it's doing during the pandemic and to explain why banquet halls are so essential to Chinatown's future. Her story will be live on sfchronicle.com Sunday morning in English as well as both traditional and simplified Chinese. Melissa Hung, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I loved your story about Chinatown, although it was also pretty sad. Um, We had reported in December that um, the city was committing nearly $2 million to help save Chinatown restaurants, held a big press conference there. But um, you found that that really won't make much of a difference in the neighborhood's future, right? Well, it depends, I think, on the size of the
1: restaurant. Uh, the, the The idea for the funds to go to restaurants and to go to a meal program was something that several of the advocates uh, for or several restaurants themselves restaurant owners advocated for and they found it very useful but when we're talking about a banquet hall like the size of Far East Cafe um, that's really difficult for them it's not enough funding for them to keep open just because they're so large
0: what do you think it would take to save these banquet halls as you were doing your reporting um, you got really in-depth on this issue and I wondered if if any um, ideas came to you for what would work well,
1: a lot of what people in the community are asking for is for more support from the city and from governments and other institutions. The size of a banquet hall, they really need some low interest loans or zero interest loans, something that is going to help them, um, you know, get through this time until we can celebrate again. They're they're completely dependent on these large uh, events. Um, you know, Chinese New Year or, or the Lunar New Year banquets, which usually would be happening now. And to go without that for a year, I, I mean, it's amazing that they're actually still open.
0: Yeah, it is. And you went into the Far East Cafe and spoke with the owner, Bill Lee. Here's what he said about the biggest event, Lunar New Year. He spoke in two languages, so we've added translation. When we do New Year's banquets, we try to uh, uh, make the price match what they can spend. Uh-huh. So they can have more people come. come. Uh-huh. The reason why I want to do that, because, you know, uh, Chinese New Year is our Chinese tradition. Right? Right. So, because they are not come for the uh, dinner, just for eat mm-hmm. uh, dinner. They want to see each other more often. Right. That's the main reason, you know. Right. They can see each other, uh-huh. see, right? Keep pretty happy. Melissa, can you paint a picture of what it looks like in the Far East Cafe right now? Yeah, well, Far East Cafe is really unique in Chinatown in
1: that it has retained a lot of its original decor from um, when it opened in 1920. So it, ha- it has these beautiful wood panel. Um, they used to be booths and these beautiful paintings and these large, very ornate uh, lanterns that were shipped over. They're huge. They're, I think, as tall as me, probably. Wow. And I'm a little over five feet. So, um, and its it's a weird contrast to see all this kind of beautiful, old historical decor. And, you know, it's a little bit like a storage space right now. They've got mm-hmm boxes in there and they've got signage and, you know, they're just trying to figure out a way to move forward. So the things they use for the parklet outside, they might be storing inside uh, the dining room.
0: Right. And you explained how um, it's hard for any restaurant right now, but especially the banquet halls and um, with the opening and shutting and opening and shutting of what's allowed, you know, due to that pandemic, that that's um, really challenging.
1: Yeah, it is really challenging. That what's what's different about the banquet halls is, of course, their size, Mm -hmm. right? New Asia can seat a thousand people. Wow! Right, that's that's just that's a lot. (laughs) Yeah, that's a lot of people. And they um, they were a dim sum parlor during the day, and then they would host banquets at night, and. We need that kind of facility in Chinatown because there really isn't any other space that you can get so many people all together at once, and it's a very important part of the culture and fabric of the community, the way that people celebrate and make connections with each other and keep those connections. Um, and there, you know, there are reunions, whether they're kind of family events or they're political events, right? Uh, when a a A space that size—just think of the rent, the utilities, all of that, right? So, whatever problems that a a more like smaller eatery might have, it's just compounded by like ten times.
0: And obviously, a parklet isn't going to even come close to replacing all of that lost business at a banquet hall, right?
1: Right, right. I mean, one of the things that um, really surprised me was just the volume they they do. Um, Mr. So, the owner of New Asia told me that he, he threw out like $100,000 worth of food that had arrived and, you know, he couldn't send it back and, and folks started canceling their um, banquets uh, mm-hmm. early last year, right? And there was, you know, that's the volume that they're dealing with, that they have $100,000 worth of food that comes in, they have to prepare it days in advance mm-hmm. and, you know, make sure they can like feed a thousand people at once. And that was just, um, you know, huge amounts of money we're talking about.
0: That helps explain why, you know, $2 million from City Hall for all of the restaurants in the neighborhood isn't going to go very far.
1: Right, right. I think it will help. I mean, it definitely helps, right? And Mm -hmm. the program helps not only the restaurants, but, you know, the residents of SROs who can't social distance because they Mm -hmm. live in cramped quarters. They share bathrooms. They share kitchens, communal kitchens. So it has this double positive effect. But... Um, it can't save a restaurant the size of Far Eastern New Asia.
0: And can you paint the picture of what it would have been like in one of these banquet halls, say, on a Saturday night in 2019, like when business is booming and there's a lot to celebrate? What is that like in there? Well,
1: there, uh, like many things in Chinatown, it's a little cramped. You've, You know, you've got... People sitting kind of elbow to elbow on tent tops. It's loud. Have you been to many of these banquets yourself? I have been to banquets. Uh, The last banquet I went to was a red egg and ginger party for, um, which is a celebration of a baby, um, Mm -hmm. a friend's baby. And I've been to community banquets as well. Uh, One thing that um, you know, Mister Lee, the owner of Far East, pointed out was that you know some banquets, like for his own family association were so huge, they they would have to be in three restaurants at one time. Wow. You know, there wasn't one place that could accommodate them all. And that's why it's really uh, crucial that these last banquet halls remain. There's only two right now. And another thing that is important is not just that they're there, but that re- they remain affordable to the community. The fact that they are affordable allows um Organizations and community groups of all sizes and means to celebrate together. And that's something that Malcolm Young talks about a lot, the the importance of affordability as as well as the space existing.
0: Those mm-hmm. banquets are are possible uh, because um, we've historically had uh, a number of large and small um, community banquet halls in Chinatown that have remained affordable. And when I say affordable, I mean you know, Five to eight hundred dollars, um, um, you know, per 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 table for ten, which allows um, not only kind of the the, the 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 better resourced you know institutions and organizations to, to kind of host these, but it, it has allowed uh, true um, grassroots uh, led and driven um, uh, organizations to to also um, you know participate and in, in throw these banquets as well as an, another means of connection. That's Malcolm Young of the Chinatown Community Development Center. We'll have more with Melissa Hung after a short break. Her story will be live on sfchronicle.com on Sunday morning, in English as well as both traditional and simplified Chinese. We'll be right back. Does the host usually pay for the whole banquet and everybody is their guest, or or do people usually pay their own way at these functions? Right. Well,
1: uh... One thing that Mr. Lee explained to me was the way these a lot of these family association banquets work is that the family associations cover the cost of most of the ticket in order for it to remain affordable for their community members. So, you know, someone might be only paying, you know, 10 or 20 bucks for a ticket. But, you know, obviously food and service and all that costs uh, much more than that. So the association would make up the difference Uh, Mm -hmm. Now, Mr. Lee talks about how, you know, he tries to work with these family associations to make sure that it remains affordable. So they'll work on a menu together. What is the price point that they can afford, but that he can still do business and that with the goal of bringing community members together and having these reunions and, and making sure the community is still connected.
0: And what tend to be the most popular dishes at the banquets? It's making me hungry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's different depending on what kind of
1: banquet it is. Obviously, you know, a, a sad occasion like a, a funeral banquet is going to be different from, you know, a wedding or something else. Mm-hmm. But for example, for um, Chinese New Year, uh, you know, fish, steamed fish is often on the menu. And um, that's because a lot of the dishes have meanings. Uh, you know, there's lots of homophones in um so homophones or homonyms? I don't. <laughs> don't there's I don't the, know. <laughs> there's lots of dishes that have uh, the same uh, kind of similar sounds in mm-hmm. um, in the Ch- in Chinese languages. So in Cantonese, like fish is yu, and um, it's similar to the word yu, which uh, kind of means like abundant or having mm-hmm. um, plentiful, having stuff left over. You know, mm-hmm. um, and so they're all dishes for happy occasions
0: that. Um, bring up lock prosperity, all those good things. And how would you describe the importance of banquets to the Chinese community? They are really crucial to the
1: backbone of culture in Chinatown, but also to the economy of Chinatown.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, because they provide starter jobs to new immigrants, they source from uh, local vendors. When people like me, who don't live in the neighborhood, come into the neighborhood, I'm going to go shopping in the neighborhood. I'm going to do, you know, buy some groceries, go to the bakery, things like that. So they really drive things on an economic level, on the kind of social fabric level, but and also a, a political level because Chinatown is known as being, you know, the center of the Chinese community. And even though the Chinese community you know, we live in many different places now. There are other enclaves that we live in. Chinatown is still the center because it's where it all started.
0: And why are we seeing so many of the uh, banquet halls shutting over the past few years? Yeah, there used to be a, about um, five, maybe 10 years
1: ago, and they they closed for various reasons. I think we saw, you know, the 2008 crash with economy um, was very tough on a lot of businesses. And you know, sometimes it's um, disagreements between the owner of the building and uh, the um, restaurant, you know, over the lease or some use of the building. Sometimes there's like a family issue that comes up. Uh, in the case of the Empress of China, the family that owned the building put it up on the market. And they didn't um, want to offer a lease. They only I I believe they only offer like a a month-to-month lease to the restaurant. But you can't do business that way if you're doing Mm -hmm. banquets, right? You need to be able to
0: book a year or two years out in advance. I was just going to say, speaking of the uh, former Empress of China Banquet Hall, you described kind of an interesting fight over the fate of that building. And I was wondering if you could tell us about that.
1: Yeah, there has been a long um, kind of tug of war over the Empress. It was... um, the Empress of China restaurant closed in 2014. Uh, In 2017, the building was sold. And unlike some of the other uh, new restaurants that came in and replaced banquet halls, community members said they didn't feel like there was a lot of communication between the new owners of the building and what was happening uh, to it, right? Uh, And so they were very nervous. At first, it was advertised as tech offices, which was very alarming. The, The Chinatown's already dealing with gentrification. They don't want mm-hmm. tech offices. And, um, you know, other ideas bounced around. Turning it into a museum um, was one thing, community members were behind. And so they really wanted to preserve the space as a community asset uh, and be mm-hmm. able to have affordable banquets there. Uh, Malcolm Young of CCDC filed an appeal um, with the um, SF uh, Planning Department to try to. Uh, force the owner of the building into conversations with them, but they can't agree on on it, and he lost the appeal. Um, mm. So it is a huge loss to the community. And there's also a, a lot of, um, not anger, but a uh, feeling in the Chinese-American community of, of not being heard from um, the city level. So they, you know, like David Ho, who's a political... Um, consultant and a well known Chinatown advocate talks about how the planning board might look at it as just a restaurant, right? But it's more than a restaurant, it's a cultural institution.
0: If this was the last sort of cultural institution for other communities, and I I, I really think that the the board would have read it differently. You know, I, I, I still think that Chinese Americans uh, in the city and you know, overall, the Asian American community do can't ignore, right? And I think this situation with the empress uh, is very consistent with that history of um, lack of empathy, right, from uh, the system known as, you know, city government. What do you think it will mean for Chinatown if the last couple of banquet halls, including the Far East Cafe, do close? Because the owner told you he can't hang on much longer.
1: Yeah, that would be... I, you know, it's even hard to imagine how devastating it might be. It's, but I I think it's going to have effects that we don't even um, can't fully comprehend right now. I mean, of course, people are going to continue to try to have their gatherings. But when you just, when you don't have the space for that, it, it kind of falls apart, you know, it's it's kind of like when you have a friend who is the center of your social circle, the kind of the glue who holds everything together and that person moves away. And then, mm-hmm. you know, everyone else still lives there, but they don't quite get together as often, yeah. you know, because that person isn't who makes things happen isn't there anymore. I, I feel like it's it's going to be kind of like that, but happening to an entire community. Wow.
0: And I can tell that you obviously did a ton of reporting for this story. Um, Everybody should read it. It's on sfchronicle.com. And you um, spent a lot of time in Chinatown. And I was just wondering if you can describe what it's like there, because so many of us are not getting out and about much these days. Um, What was the scene in Chinatown when you were there?
1: Well, I was there um, several times over the course of reporting this story. And I was there the weekend before Christmas, and it was completely dead. Mm -hmm. And Um, you know, if you're usually in Chinatown during a non-pandemic year, you know, it's, it can be crowded on the sidewalks. There's just lots of locals buying groceries and, and, you know, tourists walking around and there's these ladies on the corner, like trying to, um, woo people into their restaurants, you know, with their menus. And there was none of that, um, uh, the weekend before Christmas. It was just mm-hmm. um, really sad, a ghost town, lots of boarded-up shops. I was also there, though, um, more recently, and it was the weekend after the, um, oh, we were allowed to um, eat outside again, do outdoor dining. Mm-hmm. And that was, um, uh, I was a little more, <laughs> that was more, there were more people on the street then. It was also, I think, um, it had been raining all week before, so I think people mm-hmm. were, um really excited to get outside and walk around. So I was glad to mm-hmm. see more foot traffic then. Mm-hmm. Um, there's often foot traffic on Stockton Street. That's that's because that's where the markets are for the neighborhood and all the locals shop there. But the other streets have been pretty dead.
0: And how are you feeling about the future of Chinatown? Um, where do you see it like in, say, a year, two years? Are you hopeful it will rebound? Or do you think this has kind of been a fatal blow? Chinatown is a very resilient
1: community. It has dealt with a lot over the years from, you know, rebuilding after the earthquake to um, gang problems in the 70s. And and so I think there's a way that the community can find a way forward. But it has to take um, planning and leadership and the cooperation of the city to really imagine uh, what the neighborhood's going to look like and to provide it with resources so that it can um, go forward in a form that is uh, uplifting to the people who live there and also the rest of the city you know Chinatown is important to all of San Francisco not just folks who live there it's mm-hmm. an impor- important like tourist destination and it provides so much color and diversity to the city right so I think Chinatown leaders are asking for the city to help them move forward with resources and planning and um, kind of an equitable um, thinking towards Chinatown, like how can we recover from the pandemic in a way that's going to um, make sure the most marginalized uh, are taken care of and also have a way forward?
0: Right, that makes sense. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you, Heather. Thank you to Melissa Hung for joining me today, to King Kaufman for producing this episode, to Damon Gasson for voicing the translation, and to you for listening.